0: so we're looking at the second part today which is called a church that continually reaches the lost a church that continually reaches the lost remember that the book of acts is the story of the disciples receiving what jesus received in order to do what jesus did and jesus made this declaration in acts 1 verse 8 that he said you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere i want just to illustrate something sometimes on television they say don't do this at home but i'm just going to illustrate something to you here let's see if that works here we go can you see my little match okay now when you strike a match um It's friction that ignites the flame and it's gone out already. But anyway, (laughs) a moment of friction ignites that flame and it grows as it's fueled by air and the piece of wood that is the match. And the potential of that little flame, of course, is enormous. It could light a forest fire. It could set a city on fire you know that that small flame has massive potential. I want to tell you a story. We're going to go back 500 years. In the late 1400s and early 1500s, there was a man by the name of Hugh Latimer, who was a fellow of Clare College, Cambridge, and he also later became the Bishop of Worcester. Subsequent to that, he became the Church of England chaplain to King Edward VI. But this man was a reformer, and he began to preach publicly that there should be an English translation of the Bible. In 1539, when the Roman Catholic Church ruled the UK, What he preached, of course, was very counterculture to the Roman Catholic dogma of the day. Latimer subsequently opposed the next king who was Henry VIII, who of course was the head of the Catholic Church at that particular time. He later argued, Latimer, that um, in the mass something called transubstantiation, which literally means that when we take the bread and wine, we are literally drinking the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that is not taught in the Bible, Jesus used them as symbols, but the Roman Catholic Church teach this, that it turns magically into the blood and body of Jesus. Latimer preached against that. He said, it is not true, it is not biblical. And he said, very categorically, this fact. So because he was so unpopular, he was then imprisoned in the Tower of London. Subsequent to that, on the 16th of October, 1555, Latimer, along with his fellow reformer, a man by the name of Nicholas Ridley, were burned at the stake in Oxford because of the stand that they took for the truth of the word of God. As the flames began to be ignited, this is what Latimer called out to his fellow friend Ridley. He said, play the man, Master Ridley, we shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England, as I trust shall never be put out. What a remarkable statement And that candle has never been put out in the last 500 years. What those men ignited in their deaths has caused the gospel to continue to flourish throughout this nation. And the candle has never gone out, the candle of their lives, their testimony, and their witness. We have said that as a church, everything we do is to be missional. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be given so that you will be witnesses. That word witnesses in the Greek is martyrs. Latimer and Ridley were martyrs because a martyr is someone who makes witness, takes the opportunity to witness, even to the extent of it costing them their lives. From the moment the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost that we read of in Acts chapter 2, we see that peter became a man of opportunity and i want us to hold on to that word this morning opportunity because it's quite key to what we want to think about together because it says in uh, acts 2:15 it was just read to us peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd this is what was predicted long ago by the prophet joel and then was also read to us in acts 3:12 Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd, saying, people of Israel, why do you stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power and godliness? In the Acts of the Apostles, Peter and the other apostles became men of opportunity. The Holy Spirit will lead us to opportunities. Emma has given a great testimony already this morning of having this conversation with her LSA. An opportunity arose where they began a conversation and she was able to bear witness concerning the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to recognize the opportunities the Holy Spirit gives us and we need to respond to those opportunities just like these early Christians did that we read of. In the book of Acts. So how do we respond to those opportunities? I'm going to take you into a few occasions here in the Acts that we will see. The first way we respond is by telling the gospel. This was a highly religious culture that the early church was birthed into, but there was some explaining to be done because these religious people didn't understand about Jesus. They didn't understand the message of the gospel. They didn't understand why this Jesus of Nazareth had come, had been crucified, had risen again, and returned to heaven. This was the good news. And they needed to tell the gospel, and they took every opportunity to do so whenever it was presented. We live in a highly irreligious culture. So there is... Is explaining to do. Because in our irreligious culture, people don't understand the gospel. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know why he came and what he did. And so people need to hear the story in our day concerning Jesus, just as they needed to hear the story in the day of the early Christian church. When Jesus healed a man of leprosy, uh, in Mark chapter 145, we read, Jesus said to this man, see that you don't tell anybody about this, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded in the book of the law. But it says instead, the man went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. I guess if you'd had an amazing healing, you wouldn't keep quiet about it. That term he went and talked freely is in the Greek word caruso, which literally means to be a herald. Some newspapers are called the Daily Herald. It literally means to publish the news. And this man, when he received this amazing miracle, he went and published the news of his healing through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in telling the gospel, there are two things that are important. The first thing is that witnesses know their story. Because in Acts 4 verse 12, the apostles said, there is salvation in no one else. One of the things that disappoints me today is that many Christians do not have confidence in the gospel. They know they are saved. They know they've been forgiven. They know they have the assurance of eternal life. But they cannot share confidently their story so that others can come to know Jesus as well. That's really sad. Because here in the book of Acts, these early Christians confidently and courageously shared the story of their experience with Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul says elsewhere, he says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. This is a day of opportunity. This is a day where the gospel is really news to people in our culture, and we have to know the gospel. We have to know the story to be able to confidently share it with others that we meet and mix with. Witnesses know their story, but also witnesses tell their story. Because in Acts 4.20, they said, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Paul said to Timothy when he was writing to him in 2 Timothy, and during this week on the Encouragement app, Ben put up, a number of scriptures that have really spoken to him and blessed him in this year. And Ben referred to this scripture, which was, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And I looked at that this week, and I suddenly saw the context of what he was saying. Context is really important in the Bible. If you take a text out of a context, what are you left with? You're left with a con, okay? And if you take the scripture out of context, you can be conned to think it means something different to what's being said. So context is really important. And listen to this verse that Ben put up on the Encouragement app this week. Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to to tell others about the Lord. The context there is about sharing the gospel. It's not about me being afraid because um, something has come into my life that has frightened me that I've suddenly had bad news, that I don't need to be afraid or timid. The context there, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us a spirit of timidity. He's given us power, love, and self discipline so that we can share the good news of Jesus. Context is really powerful there when you look at that verse and see what Paul is actually saying. We've got a great story to tell. In fact, it's the greatest story that's ever been told and will always be the greatest story of God's love. I know I've shared this before, but some of you might not have heard it. Um, About six or seven years ago in Southampton, we ran a mission that was called The Turning. And it came out of uh, the pastor of a Baptist church in Reading, Pastor Inca. And, And God had just given him this idea where you simply went out in the streets and you went up to strangers and you shared Jesus. And... The way we did it was to simply go to people on the streets and ask them two questions. There was no great training. You didn't have to go to, through six weeks of preparation to, on this mission. We just met, prayed for an hour and went out. These were the two questions. You went up to a total stranger and said, excuse me, can I just ask you two questions? Number one, do you know that God loves you and that he's got a wonderful plan for your life? Probably they say no. Second question, If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? Now, you imagine walking down the street with your shopping and somebody stops you and asks you those sort of questions. That's a bit mind blowing. But the remarkable thing was that in two weeks, 300 Christians had over 500 conversations with people on the street and were able to tell them about Jesus. We were able to pray with people. Now, I don't know how many of those people actually came to know Jesus, But it was an amazing way where hardly anybody was rude and rejected us, and we had the opportunity to very simply tell the story of God's love and what Jesus had come to do for each and every one of us. So when we take opportunity, we take opportunity by, first of all, telling the gospel. But the second way that they took opportunity in the Acts of the Apostles was by demonstrating the gospel. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. We have to proclaim the gospel in word, but also in deed. Paul says in Colossians, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of of the Lord Jesus. So there are two important things we need to remember here is that first of all, we've got something to give by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when Peter and John went up into the temple and the beggar was sitting there and begging was very common in Bible times. There was no um, you know, benefit system, nothing like that. You know, if you didn't get food, you would die. So this man had been begging at the gate into the temple and Peter and John arrived. Peter looks at him and says, sorry, mate, we don't have any money, but we have got something else we can give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And this man was instantly healed. (coughs) To use another person's name uh, in legal terms, is to declare that you have the right of the power of attorney. You may have all heard that. Uh, it becomes quite insignificant sometimes when parents become very, very old and can't make their own decisions. They give power of attorney to a son or a daughter to make decisions for them. Jesus gives us power of attorney to use his name to demonstrate his power in confronting sickness, and in confronting everything that the enemy wants to bring to rob, steal, and destroy people's lives. This is the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. We have the authority to use the name of Jesus. So let's realize that we've got something we can give. When you see people, if there's an opportunity, say, can I please pray for you? And in the name of Jesus, pray for that person concerning their need and believe that God through you can give something of his love and grace to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have something to give by the Holy Spirit, but in taking opportunity, we have to be bold in our belief in the Holy Spirit. You see, boldness is the opposite of cowardice. It's the opposite of timidity and fear. God has not given us a spirit of timidity and fear. God has given us boldness by the Holy Spirit. Janice, I want you just to tell a story of um, the courage Mm -hmm. God gave you in the early days of senior school.
1: Yes, I was saved at the age of eight in a Salvation Army Sunday school and then started attending a Pentecostal church. Uh, Elam Pentecostal when I was uh, 11, 12 and uh, I remember hearing about the power of the Holy Spirit and this was all new to me as a youngster and hearing about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and The pastor was a very young fervent pastor there. He said when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit The Lord gives you the power and the authority to be able to speak to people to to shed your timidity and to become bold in Jesus and um, I'd always been a little timid and um, fearful of speaking out but I remember going to a particular prayer meeting when I was about 13 and just praying and saying Lord I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit I know you as my saviour but I want this power and uh, the Lord did just that for me and I, I remember this incredible meeting that night with lots of other young people and when I went to school I went to a high school um, and there was no Christian union there. Uh, They don't think they'd ever had one. And I just felt the Lord say to me, I want you to start a Christian union. So I began to ask the uh, head teacher if I could start one, put some notices up on the public notice board. And within a short time, I had about 12 or 13 girls that were coming to this Christian union. They didn't know Jesus, but, In my own timid way, I began to share the gospel with them. And I'm not saying that I was very good, but I just think the Lord helped me. And I invited my pastor to come and speak to them. And the headmistress came and listened. And it was an amazing experience. And three or four of those same girls that were coming to the Christian union, I invited on a holiday, a Christian holiday, for young people up in Lancashire. And they came and they gave their life to Jesus. Now, I haven't kept in touch with them, and I don't know where they are today, but I do know that the baptism in the Holy Spirit and asking God to fill me with his spirit really changed something in my life and gave me a fervor and a passion for Jesus and wanted to go out and share the gospel. And the Lord used me in other ways after that, but it's all down to Jesus, and it's down to his Holy Spirit. So this, this is for real.
0: Brilliant. Um, If I just reflect on my upbringing, I was brought up in a Christian home, but to my shame, I was a spiritual wimp. Um, I remember the early days of senior school. I'd go into school on a Monday morning, and one of the topics of conversation was, well, well, what did you do over the weekend? I would never tell them that I spent the day in church on a Sunday. I would mumble something, make up excuses, but I, I, I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. But at the age of 14... God baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And I found I had a courage and a boldness that I'd never known before. I started going to uh, a local housing estate near our church all by myself, knocking on people's doors and uh, starting to talk to them about Jesus. We used to go out fishing on a Sunday night, Um, not for fish in a pond, but they called it fishing, going inviting people to the Sunday night service. And you go at about five o'clock. And I remember going out on my own and there was a bunch of Hell's Angels all on their motorbikes parked outside a cafe. And I went up to the boss and to offer him a track, an invitation. And he said, get lost. (laughs) So I I did it again. I said, would you like this? He said, get lost. And I did it a third time. He said, get lost. And in the end I thought, well, perhaps I better get lost. (laughs) But I found myself as as a young teenager doing things that I would never have had the boldness to do. Just like Janice starting a Christian union in her school and inviting her pastor in. And the Holy Spirit gives us a boldness. He has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so we need to remember that the Holy Spirit will give you confidence, will give you boldness to share the good news about Jesus. Jude reminds us in Jude 1 verse 20, well there's only one chapter in Jude, he says, let us pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Way, way before Jude in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, when Joshua was given the responsibility to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, Joshua was told by God, have I not commanded you to be strong, to be bold, to be courageous? Do not be terrified, dismayed, intimidated, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The same God that was with Joshua, the same God that was with the early Christian church, is the same God that is with us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can be bold in demonstrating the gospel and the good news. One third thing. So we need to take opportunity to tell the gospel. We need to take opportunity to demonstrate the gospel, but you also need to take the opportunity to live the gospel. You see, the reaching the lost is very powerful in the way that we live our lives. How we live before our family, our neighbors, our friends, our work colleagues, or wherever we go is incredibly important important. I read something this week by Brennan Manning. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He he was a a very evangelical American Catholic priest. He died a few years ago, but this is what he said. He said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out of the door and deny him by their lifestyle.
1: Hmm.
0: That is what An unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. That's frightening. If there's truth in it, it's really concerning because people take far more notice of what we do than what we say. People watch the way that we live. And we can live powerfully by the Holy Spirit in such a way that people want to know what it is that makes the difference in our lives. The early Christians were committed to being community. In Acts 2, 42 to 47, it says that all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything that they had. And it says a little bit more, there was just this commitment, this united aspect about them that was so unique that people were drawn to it people were attracted to the way they committed themselves to be in community they lived out the gospel by sharing all that they had with each other and Jesus said didn't he a new commandment I give to you love one another just as I have loved you you should love one another your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples have you seen the John Lewis advert that came out this week? It's beautiful. They bring out a, an advert every week. And it's just come out. And it's all about sharing love with one another. This is what our community wants. This is what our world is starved of because the enemy, Satan, hates love. God is love. And it's everything opposite to what Satan is. And we we live in a world that needs to know the healing love of God and the way that we live, the way that we are committed to one another, can express and show that love in a way that is so powerful and so true. These early Christians made a commitment to one another. That word commitment literally in the Latin means to join together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship to sharing meals, which included the Lord's Supper, communion, and to prayer. And that word fellowship is koinonia, that literally means to share the same life stream. They were committed to one another, but also they were committed to the cause. You see, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. We are called and commanded to be missional in the way that we live. And for Peter being missional, That meant imprisonment at times. For Stephen, it meant martyrdom, like the two people that I spoke of at the beginning. For Paul, it meant at times beatings, five times being beaten with 39 lashes, stoning, imprisonment, shipwreck, hunger and hatred. Why? Because they were committed to the cause. And when we are committed to the cause, There is nothing that can stop the gospel flourishing and bringing its transformating power into communities. We grow in the spirit by engaging in the same kind of activities that the early church engaged in. They took opportunity to tell the gospel. They took opportunity to demonstrate the gospel. They took opportunity to live the gospel. And that's what a church that reaches the lost will really be all about. Now, I just want to give you a heads up before we go into breakout rooms that we are going to be running an Alpha online in the new year. So I want you to be thinking and praying about that, and in particular thinking, who could you invite to join us for an online Alpha? Someone who can watch it in their home, or if we're allowed, and the lockdown is gone, that you can invite to your home and be with you to watch Alpha. We want to do that in the new year because it's a great way of sharing the gospel, of introducing Jesus to people in the comfort of their own homes. So start praying and thinking about that.